Well, good morning. I'm, I'm Pastor Mark Byer, and I oversee everything with Global out of this church family. And I am just so blessed to have my friend Mike Sohn with us. Mike, uh, we have been partnering with Kama in all kinds of new and different ways, especially in just the last few years, having the Novis hit the ground in Guinea. Uh, we partner in Burkina Faso, and it goes on and on. And I'm just so excited to get a chance to hear about what God's doing through Kama, and just to hear a little more what you have to share with us. So great to have you with us. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Well, good morning, Appleton Alliance. Nice to hear a little response. <laughs> You're awake. That's good. Well, what a privilege to be here. And let me just say thank you. Thank you for partnering with us to serve the underserved to those in poverty in places like Burkina Faso, where a million people have been displaced by jihadist movements, and the local church has been empowered and enabled to reach out to these informal settlements of people who've had to leave their homes. Thank you for sending the Novis to serve in Guinea and supporting them holistically. Thank you for partnering around the world in other places, and you pray for people, and your care for them is amazing, really. It's quite remarkable. Been doing this for a few decades, so I can say that with some conviction. Thank you. And thank you for your investment in children, in Discovery Land, children here, but children abroad, the translation of your materials in many languages. You know, statistics and studies show that a small investment in the life of a child at a critical moment reaps huge benefits for their whole life. So thank you. Would you just allow these few words of gratitude to sink a little more deeply because I'm one of those people that travels to all these places. I get to see firsthand the impact of what you have done, and I am grateful, so thank you. I want to tell you a little bit of my story, why I'm connected with Kama Services. Some of this is a little heavy today, so maybe we'll just lighten it up just a tad here because the Novis have just finished well, they'll be in French language study for the rest of their lives. No, for just a short while longer. But language learning is one of those things where you can make mistakes so easily. I learned Thai. It has five tones. High, low, rising, falling, mid-tone. My, my, moon, my, my, chai, my. A lot of new wood does not burn like a lot of new silk, does it? So that's one phrase, all these tones mixed in. The potential for mistakes is endless. So. I, uh, in my second year, starting third year, I memorized a prayer for the beginning of a church service. It was a little humbler group than this. And uh, I had learned this prayer. It's, Heavenly Father, you who are the greatest God above all gods, we ask you today, you know, to bless this service. So, what's what I intended to say, but I said, instead of saying, Ying, I said, Ying So, what did I say? The giggles in the audience would give an indication that I had made a serious mistake. <laughs> I said, oh God, you who are the largest woman in the whole universe. <laughs> you know, so. so from that point on, I realized I am probably the cheapest entertainment that these villagers are ever gonna hear. What a blessing I am to their lives, yeah. And I've done much worse, but we'll not <laughs> go there. So it was the summer of my senior year in college. I was a volunteer uh, with the CNMA working on the Thai-Lao border with refugees. I didn't know it at the time when I signed up, but I'd be working with Kama Services, 
helping refugees. There were three of us, three college students, and every morning we'd load up our little yellow pickup truck and we'd drive along the border, uh, along the river, and we'd find refugees at different police stations. Groups of 30 to 100 people all huddled together, cold, hungry, and a bit dazed because they had been hiding in the jungles and trying to escape communist soldiers for three weeks to three months. So you can imagine the trauma that they had gone through. We provided for their immediate needs, um, food, hygiene kits, first aid. I was the first aid guy, having taken advanced first aid the semester before. And there we were. I remember one day I wrote in my journal, today we go to where 107 new Hmong refugees have come across the river. I'll be dressing many wounds. I don't look forward to this, but the Lord wants me to do it, so off we go. I didn't look forward to it because by that time in the summer, I got to know some of the stories of what was happening to the people, of the losses they'd experienced, that the night before when they came across that river, not everybody who started finished. Many drowned in the way. It's a, like a kilometer wide during that, and you see big trees floating down this river, and they came across in teeny little inflatable things. They didn't have boats. So I didn't look forward to being there. That summer marked me and changed me, and, it, and it's given me a, a passion and a compassion for people who are vulnerable, for refugees and others who, due to disasters or other things, are just in a place of great vulnerability. But yet for many years, I wondered if that little bit of contribution I made made any kind of a difference. Because every week new refugees would come and they would be in these camps for years before they could be resettled to a third country. And I thought, did, did that have any impact on their lives? I didn't think so. And I, I thought, it's frustrating. I like to finish. I like to see something, you know, have an impact. But I had no way of knowing. But I've learned since then there's a lot more to that story. I'll tell you a little bit later. It is my privilege to serve with Kama, having begun over 40 years ago as a student. And let me tell you a little bit about us, kind of in a nutshell. We're a community of compassion-driven individuals and churches who are committed to the world's poor and communities devastated by disaster. But that's a, that compassion emotion, it leads you to, to action. But like many emotions, it kind of starts to fade over time. And your, mo your motivation can fade right along with it. You need something stronger, something that's really grounded in the scriptures. What motivates us, there are two basic reasons, is we want to see the lives transformed by the gospel and communities restored by gospel bearers. Lives transformed. We have seen over and over when people see the gospel in us and they hear it from our lips and respond in faith, it changes them like it changed you. And when they participate in serving their local communities and see the community begin to be restored, it's really quite remarkable. So there's two reasons why we do what we do. There's two things that we do. We do relief and development. We're noted for relief, but most of our efforts are in development. So think of relief as very short-term, following a major earthquake or flood or fire or a typhoon in the Philippines. So the response is rather immediate. You're addressing issues like food, water, shelter, safety, security. But we do development as well. That's really more long-term, relational, sustainable. We're engaged in people's lives every day. 
So comma staff are the people with dirt underneath their fingernails and usually tears in their eyes because of what they see and learn and observe. How do we go about our work? Well, there's two, two ways we go about it. You can see two, two, two going on here. Uh, is we work through people development and through partnerships. We start where people are at, not where we want them to be, but where they're at. They don't yet know Christ. Maybe they haven't finished an elementary education. They lack job skills. We work with them holistically through their lives to see them come to a place where they are employable or that they are able to start a small farm. And they come to faith. And we work in the area of partnerships. Really, there's nothing that we do in the world today of significance that doesn't involve a partnership. What's happening in Burkina Faso, in large part, is because of you, Appleton Alliance. So it's quite remarkable. And we partner with churches like you in other places of the world. We contribute funds that we've raised elsewhere with the funds that you gave, and that made a big difference in a lot of people's lives. Partnership is how God enables us to carry out our mission in the world today. So why? To see lives transformed, communities restored. What do we do? Relief and development, and how do we work through people development and through partnerships? So in a nutshell, that's who we are, and that's the end of my message. See you later. Have a great, no, I got a little more to share with you. So your story. You know, I really like people's stories, and I'm a curious fellow. I fly a lot, and so you're sitting next to somebody, and they're not going anywhere, and you're not going anywhere. So I ask them about their lives, and people usually, almost always, tell me their life story. And some of them are amazing, some are very sad. I love listening to the story of believers, how they came to faith, what impacted them, how God has used them. You know, it's really heartwarming. Sometimes I get all choked up. I cry easy, um, but sometimes it's really sad because that believer was walking along and then for whatever reason, they just did a U-turn, decided, no, not doing this anymore. I'm gonna walk away. And you know people like that. And that really does break my heart. But sometimes I get to hear the other part where they came back to the Lord, he forgave them, he restored them, he renewed them, he's using them in a fresh way and that's just a great end to what looked like a tragic story. Philippians 1.6 encourages me where Paul wrote to the Philippian church, he said, for I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it till the day of Christ Jesus. If you're a parent with adult kids, uh, that's probably a verse you're praying. God, finish that work you started in my son or daughter. I'm confident of this very thing. So, thinking about your story, let's be honest for a moment. The, the, the path we walk is not a straight one, is it? You know, a little lean to the left, to the right, sometimes stop, continue on. It's a challenging journey. It's not over. It's not finished. And there are struggles along the way. To encourage myself and others, I sometimes, almost with a smile on my face, quote Proverbs 24, 16, which says, for a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in time of calamity. So, we are gonna fail. We are gonna fall. That's not the question. Are you gonna get back up? Are you gonna keep going? That's the part of the story I wanna know about. And you may ask yourself, is it really, do I make a difference? Is my life impacting people? I love Christ. I'm a part of this church, I serve my community, but is it making a difference? 
Well, your story's not done yet, and I can tell you this with certainty, that a life lived in obedience to Christ, serving other people and loving them and sharing with them the good news of Jesus Christ has eternal impact. You may or may not see it now, but it will happen. God will bring to fruition your efforts. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. In Kama, we have the privilege of coming alongside people in some really difficult, I would say desperate situations. And these stories are hard to tell, and they're probably going to be hard for you to listen to. Let me tell you two of them. Amin was a little boy who came with his family from a country just torn by war, and as they crossed over the border, they were met by believers from a small alliance church who loved them and cared for them, providing basic needs for them. He was a, sick, uh, a first grader, a six-year-old, and he was in a class with 20 other kids, and a comma staff member was trying to help the kids uh, work through the trauma of their lives, so using art and story and other things. And one of the things she said is, we're going to create memory boxes. And this box is to symbolize a person that you lost or something else or a place that you miss. Amin didn't make it for the first two sessions, but when he got there at the third one, she quickly explained, and he understood right away, and he got to work and made his memory box. He, along with all the children, were asked to share the significance of their box. And when it was his turn, he said, this is the bed that my mom died. <laughs> Wish that didn't happen. This is the bed that my mom died on. The last time I saw my mom, she was on this bed. You know, awful. It's just awful. See, his family had fled from that country. Mom and dad and the kids all made it across. He had a very basic home. I've been to this place a number of times and gone to these homes, and I say to myself, how do they survive here? But they do. And they had food and uh, some basic care, but over time, the mom just became more and more depressed, and she took her own life. So the dad pretty quickly remarried a widow who had children, and she became mom to all the kids, and it looked like he loved her, and it was happily ever after. They had a Mother's Day celebration at the church, and the, the moms and all the kids were there. They made, you know, gifts and presentations for their mothers, telling them how much they loved them, and it looked, you know, really good, except this thing. They never spoke about his birth mother again. He continued in the class with the other first graders, and they had a session where the staff member explained, you know, in life, we have a lot of losses. Some of them are not real hard. They're like a one. Some of them are super hard. They're like a five. So think about some things you've lost and just help us understand how hard was it. Well, Amin was ready, and he said, I lost my mom, and it was hard. I lost my mom, and it was a five, and he kept saying it over and over and loudly. Here's a little boy who'd experienced such deep loss for a six-year-old, just now processing that grief. And, it, and really, in, in a sense, God was starting to bring some healing into his life through a class where someone loved him and cared for him. Well, his story's not over. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later. Kumafi lives in a large city in West Africa and every day begs to provide food for her three children. Our, one of our staff members was stopping at a roadside stand to buy some fruit, and she overheard three small children speaking in a language that she had learned from another country she'd served in. 
Lombardo. So being very curious, she goes over to the lady where the three children are and strikes up a conversation with her to find out something of her story. She said, begging feeds my children. There is no dignity in it. I get spit on every day, and not a day goes by that people don't proposition me to sell my body. That day, she sat with her in the corner, and Kumafi told more of her story. She was a widow from another country. Her extended family couldn't afford to feed her and her children, so they sent her away to this other country where an uncle lived, a big city of two million, thinking he will provide for them, but he did not. And so here she is, begging every day to feed her three kids. Kumafi is one of the many people who live in extreme poverty. It's a technical term, it's a terrible term, because it means they live on less than $1.90 a day. But poverty is more than money. I want to read for you a paragraph out of a study done by the World Bank where they interviewed 20,000 poor people, and they asked them, what does it mean to be poor? This is a summary of what those 20,000 people said. Poverty is hunger. Poverty is lack of shelter. It's being sick, not being able to see a doctor. Poverty is not having access to school, not knowing how to read. Poverty is not having a job. It is fear for the future, living one day at a time, losing a child to illness because of unclean water. Poverty is powerlessness and a lack of representation and freedom. That's poverty. The staff member continued the story about Kumafi. She wrote this, despite their great lack of resources, I've experienced the deep generosity of the desperately poor in West Africa. And one day, Kumafi invited me to her home to have a meal, to eat a dish that I had mentioned to her that I missed this particular dish from that country. So she gave me the seat of honor, a bucket she'd flipped over. I'm in her very humble home, you know, just built out of broken blocks and any kind of wood or scraps that she found anywhere. And she fed her this dish, and she said, um, I could hardly eat it for tears choking my throat. And the, the smell and taste of beetles in the rice, that'll do it to you. When I came home that afternoon, I told my husband about my experience, and I just wept over her situation and the injustice of this world. But her story is unfinished. God has continued to work in Kumafi's life and the life of her children, and I'm... I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that later. What about our story? You are Appleton Alliance Church. Alliance, the Christian Missionary Alliance. You're part of a global family, and it's very exciting to see what God is doing today. There's a new thing happening. Our vision globally is all of Jesus for all the world, and the underneath that we should write in takes all of us. This is not the task of some special, unique kind of folk. This is our job. All of Jesus for all the world takes all of us. And our mission is gospel access for and from all people. Let me explain. There are still groups of people in the world where the gospel has not penetrated. They don't have ready access to the gospel in a language that they understand. We need to get the gospel to them. But what about the places where the gospel is well established? There are churches like this church, many of them, how can we come alongside them to help them be more global, to go to their nearby neighbors, other countries? We want gospel access for and from all people. There's three things that we do in the Christian Missionary Alliance. Serve communities, multiply church networks, and develop people. Develop people is really the sweet spot for comma staff, but serving communities is the thing 
that we do in terms of our projects, our engagement and disaster response, we serve communities. This is what we're about. There are four structures, and those are comma, and access, and vision, and marketplace. So comma is there with the two hands, the world, the two hands, marketplace ministries, about 180 professionals serving around the world, the little bridge that you see. The X at an angle is access, about 400 workers serving throughout the world, and then Envision, the telescope. So, but you're part of this story, and that's just a little snippet of it, but you're part of the story that is reaching around the world. We had a rough start in the Christian Missionary Alliance 137 years ago, but a lot has happened since then, and I'm gonna tell you a little bit more about it. But think about this question. If we've been around so long, and we've been doing missions so intently, so passionately in so many places, why haven't we finished in more places? Why are we still doing this? One simple answer. It's because we live in a broken world, broken by sin, and the devastation that sin creates in the life of a person, a family, a community, a country. Have you ever heard the song by Chris Tomlin, Is He Worthy? I think you have, you've probably sung it here before. The words, do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. And do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. The world is broken because of sin, and you can see that brokenness in poverty and justice, the impact of natural disasters. In a natural disaster, whether it's in the United States or anywhere else in the world, it is the poor and the vulnerable who are disproportionately impacted by that because they live too close to that river or they live too close to that mountain where the earthquake was going to occur. The world is broken. And they're not finding the answers because they're looking in the wrong place. They don't understand the root causes. And they're addressing just symptoms on the surface. But we know the root cause. It is sin. Sin impacts every dimension of life. So think about this. Sin has broken our relationship with God. Sin has broken relationships with one another horizontally. Sin has broken relationship with ourselves. We are wounded and broken people. And sin has broken our relationship with the world and all of creation and how we are poor stewards of it. Every relationship is broken. I see that when I travel to West Africa or I go to the Middle East or Southeast Asia, people are in poverty, entangled, vulnerable to injustice. But we too are broken people. Let's acknowledge that. And the world is not the way it should be. And we see things every day in the news. If you're reading the news about Haiti and the earthquake, or about Afghanistan and how it is just collapsing. And maybe sometimes, like me, it's like, I've had enough. I just wanna plug my ears, close my eyes, shut, shut off all the media. I don't wanna know anymore about it because I feel so overwhelmed. I can't do anything. Or so I think I can't. And I'm tired of it. I'm really tired of these hopeless, hopeless situations. But, the line from the song, do you wish that you could see it all made new? I really do. The world is broken. Last year, there were 17 major armed conflicts in the world. 100,000 people lost their lives. This year, it's worse. Last year, over 100 million more people were pushed into extreme poverty because of COVID. 
Those are awful statistics, because there's people like Kumafi and Amin impacted. The brokenness of the world is complete and whole. Thus, the solution must be complete and whole. We have to address every aspect of a person's being if we're going to bring the good news of Christ to them. So the, the solution is that people would see and experience and hear the gospel. They need to see it in us. Acts of compassion. We have no motive. We're not here to make money. We're not even here to show preference for the Christians. We serve the whole community. And they say, boy, you are strange people. I'm glad you're here, but we don't see anybody else do this. The politicians come take pictures and leave. You come and stay. That was an imam in Indonesia said that to us after an earthquake. They need to see Christ in us, but they need to hear it from us. Because if you don't explain the gospel clearly, people will interpret your actions through their own cultural and religious grid. Sharing the good news verbally is essential. And it's our privilege to do that in these many places. But what happens when Jesus the reconciler, Jesus the savior, the healer, restorer comes into a person's life? Just that. He does heal, restore, forgive. Our relationship with God is restored. Do you remember that day in your life? Our relationships with others can be restored. We, the forgiven, become those who can then forgive others. Our relationship with ourselves, God begins a process of making us into a new creature in Christ, and bringing deep reconciliation and healing in our own selves. And the way we see the world changes. We can be responsible stewards of what he's entrusted to us. That's why gospel access for and from all people is so important because the world is broken and the root cause is sin and the gospel is the answer. People need the gospel. People need the gospel. The whole person. But it's unfinished. It's unfinished. So for 137 years, we've been taking the gospel around the world and God's done some remarkable things. Some Parts to the story are complete. We have little glimpses of heaven, little slivers of hope. Let me share a few of them with you. When I was in college, I, oh, I'd come to Christ just before college started through the Navigator ministry, and I was transformed by Christ, and I went from organizing beer parties to Bible studies in three months, and my parents thought I had a psychotic break. They really thought I'd lost my mind, which maybe I had, but it was fun. I mean, knowing Jesus was a blast. And I shared the gospel maybe a little more aggressively than I should have, but with a lot of people, with good intentions. And Dave Sherson was one of those people. And he kind of responded, but he seemed a little lukewarm. And I thought to myself, you know, Dave, every week we get together for Bible study, and I just don't see anything happening in your life. And I thought, I don't think he's going to stick with it. 20 years later, I get a long email letter thanking me for sharing the gospel, for investing in him that he had walked with Christ faithfully for 20 years, part of a local church, involved in his community. His children were following Christ. It's like, what do you know? God did something. I never would have saw that. Uh, last year, we got a letter from Pastor Chuntasone. He sent an email to us um, after he read a one of our newsletters. He said this, I came to Napo camp as a refugee from Laos in 1984, comma services, introduced me to Jesus Christ. It was a blessing, the best decision I ever made. And then I was employed by Kama Services 
at a vocational school and became a lay leader in the Lao Good News Church started by Kama Services. In 1987, I was sponsored by a CMA pastor in Buffalo, New York to come to the United States. I graduated from Toccoa Falls College and now I am a pastor of the Lao Thai Good News Church in Binghamton, New York. My hope is to go back to Laos and Thailand as a missionary. He wrote, I wanna personally thank you so much from my heart for your being willing to go to our homeland and share the love of our Lord Jesus Christ to my people. And because you were willing, many people, including me, found the truth about God and were rescued from evil. Thank you. Dozens and dozens and dozens of short-term workers went to Thailand and worked with refugees, like me. Some stayed for a summer, some for two years. And it made a difference. It made a difference. What about your story? It's not finished. If you're still here and alive, upright and taking nourishment, God's not done. It's partially finished. I'm guessing for many of you, like me, there's things that you'd love to see God do before you go to glory. Don't lose heart. Keep serving. Keep loving. Keep praying. Keep trusting God. It's not over yet. Amin and his family sensed this experience when he was in uh, first grade, have consistently heard the gospel and experienced the kindness from other Christians. And I, I know with certainty, as I've interviewed various people, that dozens and dozens of families have come to faith in Christ in this place. I intentionally don't ask for any names or numbers because I don't wanna say something publicly that would bring the spotlight on this particular ministry. God has done powerful things, and Amin and his family have been impacted. Kumafi continues to struggle in poverty, but shortly after that, the staff worker organized, in partnership with a bunch of folks, a nutrition program for the kids who live in that community. So we did an assessment, figured out where they're at nutritionally, had a program that lasted for a number of months and brought their nutritional levels all up to where they should be. So short-term, intense, successful little project. Then we met with the community leaders, and I had the privilege of meeting them in a recent trip this past April. We said, what else could we do to help your children? What's a, what's a kind of a critical need here? And he said, many of our kids at fifth and sixth grade don't pass an important government exam that would allow them to go on for further training or high school, which would then help them to get a better job. And so, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. So we thought, let's start an after-school program, let's base it on the curriculum and so they are reviewing it every day and taking sample tests and getting ready for this big exam. And just last week, the results of the test came out. 27 students in this program, so this is a small program, a small fishing village, 24 of them passed. That's amazing. 24 lives were changed. So, Think, think of 24 kids in your discovery. You had 27 in a class, and 24 of them put their faith in Christ, you know, after a program. Or 24 of them dedicated themselves to do something. Or with, with high school kids, 24 of them decided, I'm gonna finish high school. I'm not gonna drop out. I'm not gonna do this. It changes their life for the entire time that they're gonna be on earth. The story's not over, and our investment in Kumafi, her family, and her entire community will continue. 
The CNMA, our story, bumpy start, most of the international workers who went to the Congo died within a few years. The story was not much different in China, Latin America, Southeast Asia, but yet workers persevered and we sent more people. And today, the Alliance World Fellowship numbers over 6 million people in 88 countries. They have 22,000 churches and 2,000 of their own workers that they send out. That's amazing. Who would ever have guessed that? And how does this work continue? In partnership with people like you in Burkina or in France and other locations. It is our privilege to work with them. The task is unfinished because the world remains broken, but we have hope. We know the end of the story. We've read the book of Revelation. But we see these little glimmers of hope along the way. God is at work. Do you feel the world is broken? I do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? I do. But do you know that all the dark won't keep the light from getting through? Do. And do you wish that we could see it all made new? I do. The world's broken, but the gospel is the answer to that brokenness. Our work's unfinished, but we can see God do amazing things and trust him for things that continue on far beyond our investment. So quitting, not an option. Yes, you're gonna grow weary. I'm gonna grow weary. And we're gonna feel like stopping or quitting. We need to come, along one, uh, come alongside one another in times like that, because it's hard. Anybody tells you it's easy, they're trying to sell you something. This is hard to follow Christ today. But let's keep going. Let's finish the task the Lord has laid before us, individually, corporately. I really like to finish what I start, but I don't always get to, so I find great hope and encouragement in Hebrews chapter one, verses one through three, and I will close with this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He finished. He finished. Let's finish. Mike, it is such a blessing to partner with you and Kama, just to hear all the touch points. And this is this is personal. Yeah. This is personal. And uh, if you want to have a chance to talk with Mike. We also have the Novi family. The whole bunch of them are out in the mission corner, along with Mally and Val McLaughlin, McLaughlin coming in from France. I, I'd encourage you to swing by and talk with these guys. Uh, let's take a moment now and just pray together. Jesus, I just thank you for the ministry Mike has had over these years, and what he shared with us this morning was about the bigger picture of what you've been doing through this Alliance family around the world, Lord Jesus. Lord, I just thank you that this church has a chance to plug in, to be a part of this, to send our own, to give. 
to have that extension to the different places around the world where we have investment and relationship. But even as Mike challenged us, uh, Lord, I just pray that each of us would ask, what do you have to speak into my life through this? Lord, what do you have for me to participate in what you're doing? Lord, how am I broken? How do you want to bring healing into my life? And in the midst of that, have eyes open to see those around me. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue with the words that have been spoken to minister to each of us, to have willingness to be obedient, Mm -hmm. to let you in, give you control, and be a part of bringing hope to this broken world, Lord Jesus, to push back the sin that is part of this broken world. So this is my prayer, Lord Jesus. Thank you for ministering to us this morning. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have a great week.